Greetings and welcome to Night Shift. I am Jeff Sharon. We got Kyle Nash and Andrew Glukov joining us here tonight. And guess what, folks? It is football preview time. And not just for the season preview. We're actually previewing a game today. UCF and Kent State getting underway now. We're recording this one week from the game, Thursday, August 24th. The reason why is because, well, like I said, the game's in one week. We're going to normally record on Thursday nights, so you have a show in your your box on Friday morning. Um, But UCF is playing, so this is our only chance to actually get you on board with everything that's going on in advance of the game. Make sure you follow us. Uh, all individually. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Kyle's at the SOTG for the student of the game. Andrew is at Stat Boy Drew on uh, what's it called now? X, I guess. It's, Heck with that, man. I'm on threads, man, at Jeff Sharon. I mean, I'm on threads and spill at the same at the SOTG, but there is no X, okay? All we do Listen. is go and give it to you, all right? It's a DMX reference. I, well, 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 hey, that. Kyle's waiting for that. Hey, you know, they launched uh, the desktop version uh, as well today on threads, and that's huge. Eric Lopez also joining us here tonight. Hey, Eric Lopez. What a choke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was brutal. <laughs> I can't play. You had a one nothing lead, seven minutes in, and they didn't hold the lead. Thankfully, we're a men's soccer. We're, we want men's soccer one. So, all right, that's well, one one. Well, hey, look, we split it. You know, uh, even even Steven tonight. I'll, 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 no, you know, if I had no, to take no, one, no, 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 we're not going positive. Not going positive. We're not. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. You, you can't. Uh, you here can't comes blow. Chicken Little over here. Here, oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Are we, are we really going to do? Popcorn. We cannot. You can't blow a one nothing lead. Seven minutes to go. Can't. Well, they can't did. So. Yeah, that's bad. Bad. Th- think of it this way, Eric. Very They're getting it out of their system. You know, if I everyone gets one, if the man. everybody gets one. Ow. Thank you, Spider Man. If I'm going to sit right. here and, and listen to Eric Lopez do this, All right, you I'm guys go ahead and enjoy the show. I didn't know. All right, you guys go ahead and enjoy the show. <laughs> no, I'm going to throw this curveball. I'm going to throw this curveball, and he's gone. I'm going to throw this curveball. Uh, uh, Eric Lopez does exist. Um, talking about his dolphins, at least on the Student of the Game podcast, where he came on last week. Where's the belt, Jeff? I mean, it's only for the fact that we're live that that I just don't go in full evisceration mode now. Oh God! Because I mean, we're, just we're actually we're not live, so. Well, <laughs> so I mean, we're, we're he recording. crawled back and he crawled back into the cave. He didn't want to deal with it tonight. Anyway, yeah, let's I mean, we'll we talk. Could, we could totally we'll, rip him a new one. For we'll him. talk soccer and volleyball a little bit later, but right now we got to talk about football because we got a week until the season opener. It's UCF against Kent State. It's been a minute since we played the Golden Flashes. 2004 all-time series is tied at two. Drew, do you remember what happened the last time UCF played Kent State? Yeah, it didn't go well. No, it did not go well. Josh 2004 Ritz went insane on on UCF. Hashtag free Josh, free Josh Cribs for all you Cleveland Brown fans out there, Ooh. including including my old buddy Anthony Lima. But anyway, uh, uh, well, I mean, hello McFly. I know. And <laughs> I'm not even gonna give the Browner a hard time. Josh Cribs is a force of nature. God bless him. Oh Damn. yeah, I, I, he was one of my favorite players. Uh, Kent State's also my my mother's alma mater, so I've always had a soft spot for them. And she would always say, "Hey, the game's always sold out because we knew we were going to lose. We just didn't know how." Yeah. Well, uh, UCF has actually lost the last two games against Kent State. I should mention in 04 and 03. 
Um, 03, I think that that I don't know if that I can't remember if that was Mike Kruzek's last game, but he was now, the head in coach. Fairness, in that was the both of those games are part of that 17 game losing streak. They never got True. a chance after that. True. Uh, UCF's last win against Kent State was in 2002 in a game that I called on student radio. That's how far back we're going. Uh, 32 to six win in front of about 400 people in a deluge at the Citrus Bowl. Um, it was it was an absolute mess. By the way, uh, here's here's one for you, uh, Mr. NFL Kyle Nash. Do you know who the head coach of Kent State was at the time? I'm sure you're going to drop some amazing knowledge on me here. Dean Pease. Dean Pease. That's right. The longtime defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens uh, was the head coach at Kent State at the time. So UCF is uh, trying to get revenge on on the Golden Flashes for those two losses in the final two seasons. Quick note in Jeff, the MAC. You yes. talk about you talk about calling that game. The other two would have been getting drenched in those stands as MKs if the uh, number serves right. Well, so. you you are you were there for the first one. I was the there for 2002, game. absolutely. Uh, but uh, um, uh, not the last one. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, the last one was in Orlando. The, the 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 last game was in Orlando. The one in 03 was up in Ohio. Correct. Yeah, so, I was. Yeah, Kyle, you know, being the elder statesman, uh, you were class of 99, right? Um, uh, at, in high school, uh, 98. You were 98. So yeah, he was he was finishing up his career. You know, me being a few years younger. Uh, had to witness all of that. So, so now that we've established we're old, yeah, um, we are all very old, lumpy men. Kent, Kent State, uh, you know, things have been better for the Golden Flashes. Uh, they finished last year five and seven, four and four in the MAC under Sean Lewis. He left for Colorado State, and the Golden Flashes come into this year uh, picked last out of six teams in the MAC East. Uh, and with the fewest uh, point, fewest points in the voting total, uh, in uh, out of all teams in the MAC, uh, uh, behind even uh, lowly Western Michigan in the West Division. But anyway, uh, Kent State not predicted to do overly well this year. This is despite the fact that in 2021 they were pretty good. They fit, they won the East Division in the MAC, uh, lost in the MAC championship game to Northern Illinois, and lost to Wyoming in the bowl game. But uh, they get to open the season this year against our own, very own UCF Knights, who, uh, as we know, are starting their first year in the Big 12 Conference. A long way from the MAC, to be sure. Um, early uh, line on this game, by the way, uh, Thursday, the 31st at 7 p.m., it's on FS1. Um, the consensus spread has UCF favored by 37 points. Um, but according to this is according to Odd Shark, but sixty two percent of the money is on Kent State to cover the thirty seven. Um, I'm going to start with Kyle Nash here. Uh, well, is is there a possibility of too much of a look ahead here? Um, I wouldn't rule it out, um, but only be I only say that in the concept of how you say not beating the spread. I only have them winning by 30 myself. No, I listen, I, I don't see too much of that happening here. And, and really, listen, when you see this, I think, you know, this is definitely an opportunity for tune-up, uh, mostly within the beef. Um, obviously, the worst-case scenario involves injury and all that sort of stuff. We don't want to talk about that too much because boo. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be – this is a good opportunity for game action – um, for anybody all over the depth chart, and and I I think um, 
any co- any member of the coaching staff, whether it is uh, Gus Malzahn as the executive, such that it is, or um, Addison Williams on defense or Darren Hinshaw on offense, they're going to get t- uh, – this is another game where you're learning what you got, all that other happy stuff in game action. And I think this will lead to who your locked-in starters will be starting with Boise State. Yeah. Um, it, it is a – uh, Drew, I, I like the fact that we're actually not starting with an FCS team, although based on the rankings and what you were telling us before we went live, Kent State is probably about as close to an FCS team as you can possibly get while still being in FBS, no? Correct. Yeah, I mean, you may be you know insulting a few FCS squads by, by – North Dakota State call. They're a little pissed about that. Yeah, anyway. the Dakotas are, are like, you know, the hell, Clyde? <laughs> no, no, well, they, no. Yeah, you look at just going to let that one sit for a little bit. Okay. Yeah, but look at the first two, you know, two home games. You got Kent State, you got Villanova. Two weeks later, Uh, expect both of those to uh, have plenty of opportunity for the the depth, the red shirts, you know, to to get game time in before the conference slate really starts picking up. Remember, nine conference games now. Things have changed. You know, joining the new conference, you know, the schedule is a little bit different. So. I expect Kent State to to be uh, not a close game. I mean, this this team was gutted. They lost their their head coach. He left to become the offensive coordinator at Colorado, and then everybody left. This is basically a new team that's just been scratched together. So I mean, the expectations are incredibly low. However, that also makes them a little bit dangerous because they're unpredictable. So yeah. uh, um, expect a, a, a slight degree of conservatism. Uh, on UCS Park, kind of feeling it out, um, maybe the first series or two, and then I, I think they're going to kind of get back into their into their their style. and And I don't I don't expect this game to be close. Uh, do I think they'll they'll cover? Yeah, I think they will cover. Uh, you know this this game's not going to be you know anywhere close because UCF has a lot of returning talent. Uh, this is not you know a very deep. I had to replace starters through the portal situation like the last two years have been. This was I mean, now. there's some of that. Well, you're going to get some of that, <laughs> but it's not as bad as the last two years. Now I'm filling in depth through the portal, uh, which is which is a much better situation. Uh, and I think you're going to see that uh, with the continuity of, uh, especially on the offensive side, I think it's going to be a lot more efficient uh, compared to how last year started, where it was just basically – run the ball because that's all we could do early in the season. Hmm. Yeah, and I like the sighting of the depth there, by the way, Drew. I wrote a little bit about that on the blackandgoldbanneret.com. But um, I had the thing. That gum it, Kyle. There we go. This is one job, Jeff. I'm doing the voice acting because it's still the preseason. I I knew it was coming here. No, it's not the preseason. The regular season's happening now. We are in regular season mode now. Okay, then why is the backup and the voice acting making the bell happen? Step. Yeah, then take the L. (laughs) It's okay, Jeff Sharon. I like it. Um, No, but 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 all that aside, I I think it's this is one of those games where it's good. Listen. I, I think it'll be fun as a college football fan to watch the big games that are going to happen in week one. You know, LSU, FSU right here in our own backyard in Orlando, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's all great. Um, well, hey, Eric Lopez isn't here to defend his knoll, so you can say that, Jeff Sharon. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, you know. I'll go with him. Yeah. <laughs> but with, uh, with all that in mind, I think this is a fine tune-up opportunity to get 
the depth in those important spots in the trenches another chance to gel before they get uh, air quotes real action no disrespect to the golden flashes no that you can disrespect them oh okay <laughs> your, your mom would kyle, kyle, kyle you've been you've been hearing from yeah. uh from some of the players and and the uh, and the staff and then run up to this game um insofar as you know we still have a, obviously a whole nother week that we're going to be looking at but at least as of right now right um, anything that jumps out as something to be as something to watch or something that we weren't thinking would happen but will or we weren't thinking would happen but probably or, or, or we wouldn't think would happen but might um, in terms of lineup who's going to be out there who we're going to be seeing I don't think you'll see any big surprises lineup wise per se um, but what I'm going to be watching is to will we see like we saw in the spring game Jeff meaning do we see one John Rice Plumlee airing the ball out? Are we seeing a lot of stuff in the air? Does he have fewer attempts on the ground? In a game like this where the last thing you want is a few nicks and cuts coming out of a game against the golden flashes such as they are, I expect it to go airborne. Yeah, that's right. I'll set it. They're going to throw it a lot. I can't think of a game under the Gus Malzahn regime where that was a big statement once um, Bill and Gabriel got hurt. So, yeah, I, I expect a lot of air yards in this opening game. And then kind of, I'll say in the second half, that's where you'll see perhaps a Jordan McDonald, the younger guy that's a big running back, bashing people, get some stuff in. Perhaps some Mark Anthony Richard sightings. I could see that. I would hope Bowman and Harvey don't get a whole lot of time, personally. And I'm sure Drew agrees with that. He was complaining about Bowman getting too much time at times last year. <laughs> well, I, I was always, you know, um, I was always critical of the number of carries Isaiah Bowser had last year just because um, he had, you know, we, we knew he had some durability issues. And we want, you have to save him for the big games. And uh, this time around, uh, UCF's running back core is even deeper now than it was last year. And they were really good last year. So That's I, a hell of a statement, but I agree with you, buddy. I didn't think of that until you just said well, you know, Well, you know who else agree, agrees with that is Gus Malzahn. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> he was. He even said so. Even though some of the preseason magazines have been have been saying that the running back stable is actually a weakness on this team with Isaiah Bowser gone, I, I, I'm with you. I, I with you guys. I I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it either. I mean, uh, do, do we, that's not doing your homework. <laughs> no, uh, that that's definitely taking the easy way out because you're seeing the yardage. You just yeah. look at you're looking at the stats. Oh, we lost all this guy with Isaiah Bowser. I, you know, Bowser's a great guy, uh, but I'll take Demarcus Bowman over him. I mean, that guy Ooh. is an absolute freak. That's a hell of a statement, Drew. Uh, he's an absolute freak. Uh, he had his, obviously had to sit out last year. Um, you, uh, you know, maybe he needs to work on on the mental aspect. You know, he's still young, uh, but I, this guy has all the physical tools to be the best running back on this team. Hmm. Uh, he has the tools to do it. I mean, there's the reason why he was a five-star recruit. You know, it's, it doesn't just naturally happen. I mean, Drew, what I'm hearing you tell me is he's the most versatile running back on the squad. I would say versatile. I, I would say you know, gifted. Uh, you know, ver- versatile. You know, you, you I, I would say uh, Johnny Richardson's more versatile. You know, you can line him up. Really? You can't um, run. Well, hold on. Johnny Richardson ain't running nobody over. That's not no, John, the last thing Richardson in is his versatile. Richardson can. Play as a receiver. He can play as a no, returner. No, no, okay. That's no, no, no. versatility. No, no, no. I mean, versatile as a running back. Come on now. Don't change the argument to make yourself right when you actually screwed up. Take no, your let's move forward. That's not it. That's You're you not understanding the assignment. Back. 
I'm sorry you didn't understand We're the assignment. We're talking running backs. You didn't understand the assignment. Don't we talk so bad. You're replacing Eric Lopez. Versatile running back. Going, okay? so, so versatile running back also means catching the ball outside, you know, as, you know, you know, coming out of the flat. That's versatility. Not, okay, when you're oh, I can, wrong, I'll I can run between the tackles and run people doing, over. Okay? That makes me versatile. He's Holy crap, Kyle. I thought runner. you knew your stuff. This you don't. Ridiculous. <laughs> don't make me leave because you're that dumb. No, seriously. I'll say this. He's the most versatile runner of the group. I don't think we've seen Bowman's attempts to receive enough. You know what I'm saying? Well, they, they have to, you know, obviously he has very limited, limited, you know, public field time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we've seen glimpses of it. It's kind of like, you know, as you know, back two years ago, I was on the, the R.J. Harvey bandwagon big time after the spring game. I Ain't nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> but also on uh, with R.J. Harvey, he was very raw. He just transferred over. He was a quarterback. I mean, the, the running back world, very new. Uh, he's really grown into it. And much yeah. like Bowman, incredibly athletic. I mean, you can't – you. You know, there's certain things you can't teach. Uh, it's, it's you know you can't teach the mental aspect uh, to a certain extent. You, you can't know. teach size. You can't teach size. You can't teach displacement. You know, and and you know, right. <laughs> you know the end. Now we're getting maritime terms involved in this displacement. No, cars, cars. He wanted to bring you back in to be interested again, Jeff. After we got done talking <laughs> trash on each other. Oh, I was interested. Believe me, I was sitting back, just letting it happen. And I was like, yeah. I want to see where this goes. Kyle and I, Kyle and I talking like that. They must be ended. In why? Well, I, listen. <laughs> once again, for the children out there, false angst is great radio. But no, <laughs> and, and, and to this, actually, no, 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 no. False angst is great radio. Real angst is fantastic radio. Oh uh, well, unfortunately, <laughs> there, there wasn't real angst there. Sorry, um, we well, I mean, actually we could, was. It didn't Eric sound Lopez. like it to me, but anyway, we, we Eric Lopez rage, was real angst. We could rage quit and come back like Eric Lopez if it makes you feel better. Then. Anyways. No, um, no, we're still recording right now. Carry on. Except we would come back. And Drew, in your fairness, versatile skill sets. Yeah, I, I think I think we haven't seen enough Bowman's receiving receiving ability to really see if he's got that yet. I mean, a more versatile runner. He's just as likely to run you over as he is to finesse you. And that's not to say that R.J. Harvey can't run you over. Well, but Johnny Richardson. Yeah, exactly. And, and Johnny Richardson's not running anybody over. I mean, no, that, no, no. Um, yeah. You know, heart, you know, you know, now that we're we're on the same page again, you know, one is a you know, one's lightning, one's thunder. You know, you know, one's going to get you on a change of pace on the outside. One can run between the tackles. The thing about R.J. Harvey that that Bowman has over him is is size. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's you know, Harvey's built like a wrecking ball, but he's he's actually pretty small. Pretty, and that's part of what makes him good too. Is he's, he's also a hard small. tackle. I would still say that Harvey is quite stout, and well, that, that's why he gets his job. He's done. not six foot two. You know, sure. he's 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 not a big guy. No, he's just a, he's just a five eight. Yeah, I mean, he's which you know that's work done right there. Uh, uh, you know, still plenty stout, but well, not small. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, let me phrase it. He's not. He's not. There's a whole lot of 200 he's pounds not, packed into that five yeah, That's not what we're wiry, saying. But he's, a, <laughs> exactly. he's a wrecking ball, you know. And that, maybe yeah. George, he is not. There you go, Ohio, Ohio yeah, man. Yeah. How about that? He, he yeah. comes in like a wrecking ball, knocks you over. <laughs>
Wow, I never thought we'd be referencing Miley Cyrus on this piece talking R.J. Harvey, but here we are. There you well, go, This Drew. is what happens when you put Kyle and I in the same room, and we just have the freedom to do whatever we want. It's called fun. Well, I, well, I want to infringe on that freedom slightly to talk about. I, I, I will say, you know, yeah, R.J. Harvey, at least as of the non-campus sources we've been looking at right now, is uh, on our – I'm looking at our lads right now. He's listed as the number one. Um, we'll see when the depth chart comes out early next week, but – uh, Johnny Richardson, then Demarcus Bowman, then Jordan McDonald. The guy who I'm really interested to watch, and Kyle, I think this is going to come to you. We'll talk about the defense in a second. Mm-hmm. I want to see what uh, what Bula Schmidt looks like at center. Yeah, that's th- that to me is the second most important position in the offense, and it, it, he's the guy. Obviously, he's the guy who starts to play, looks at you know, it figures out the protections and all that with JRP. How tightly is he are, are those two guys in sync i don't know if we're going to get enough of a read on that from one game but i mean maybe we will but he's who i'm looking at well and you mentioned schmidt uh, in fairness jeff the way you're the way i've been hearing about it is it's still a three-person battle as of last week now we haven't had a whole lot of opportunities to talk with the coaches in the past week so we don't know how much that battle may or may not have progressed but that, listen, to hear to hear um, either Tyler uh, Tylen Grable talk about it or Lokahi Paoli talk about it in such fashion, there the knowledge base and, and it is really the intellectual talent on the offensive line that is exponentially increased, which is exactly what you want to be hearing when you're jumping from G five ball to P five ball, such that it still exists technically, but we don't need to get into an expansion conversation here, Jeff Garrett. But <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that 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 mental piece is is a huge part of it, and and you know just we were talking about it from the context of just having the group gel with all the transfers last year in the American, hurling ourselves into the Big Twelve, such that UCF is this year, um, being prepared even even in the place where it's death taxes and betting the over in the Big Twelve, seeing different sorts of schemes that you wouldn't from facing other groups, you know. Um, is is unique here and seeing that kind of mental action happening and and the, the center position Gus Malzahn's talked about it um, it, that it's still a big battle and to have that kind of depth on the O-line at the very spot you accent is a refreshing thing for those of us who worship the beef uh, Drew on defense what are you looking forward to seeing the most or who? Uh, well I mean I want to see how Ryan Davis rises up as, mm. as a linebacker I mean you have Jason Johnson, obviously, coming back, he's the leader of that defense. He had an outstanding year transferring in, and now he's here for another round, which is just fantastic. Uh, Ryan Davis coming in from Georgia. Uh, so, I mean, there's you know, obviously there's some name brand right there, and so there's going to be expectations for him to, to make a difference. And, you know, that linebacking core, uh, not a weak spot, but definitely one they got uh, worked on through the portal quite a bit, especially on the depth side. Yeah, well, I, I referenced it already. Uh, we talked about it a bit last week, Drew, with Addison Williams saying that the linebackers are the deepest, or the, sorry, the group that increased the most in depth. I talk about why uh, on the Black and Gold Banneret in my most recent article. Doggone yeah. delay there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so no, they addressed it to your point. And, and while they didn't get a, lo- a lot of booms in the later uh, recruitment part of it, Coach Williams did mention that these this gives other guys opportunity 
to, to get um, to get reps, you know, okay. and, and yeah, there you go. The other guy, the other guy I have highlighted is uh, DeCorian Patterson, you know, the corner transfer from Middle Tennessee. I mean, Boy, they've been talking about him a lot. This guy's a ball hawk. That guy, like, that guy's good. He's good. Very underrated. Uh, this is a guy that could play on Sundays. Uh, just, you know, has a very good sense for the ball. I can't wait for him to, to, to show up in the game. Uh, I expect him to to easily climb into the into the starting you know rotation, and and you know, corner was kind of a, a hit or miss with with the team last year. I mean, you had you know guys like like Corey Thornton, um, you know, in there getting a lot of a, Brandon Adams a lot, but I mean there was a lot of hit or miss uh, with the corners. So to to have a guy that good come in. Um, you know, I think only helps you know this this team, especially uh, 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 Nicky Martinez going to be you know playing the role of, of, of the nickelback. You know, obviously he was in Travis Williams's defense was going to be that flex player. Now they're they're kind of looking at going more towards a nickel style defense. Well, and so you mentioned the Kai Drew. He's talking about playing a lot of safety. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be all over the place. Uh, but they're they're going to play a lot of five defensive back right you know if you if you look at it um you know they they only have you know they have two traditional linebackers they have a flex three linemen and five dbs uh definitely a change from what fans have been used to under travis williams Uh, i actually think this will be better for the defense because that flex position that Justin hodges played was a really difficult position to play Mm because you need to have the tackling skill of a linebacker and and the mind of one kind of a run-stopping defensive back right yeah and the speed uh and hands of a defensive back that's not an easy combination together i think this actually worked out in the long run for for uh, the knights d that's like unless you're a guy like ronnie lott or david fulcher or ed reed or you're talking unicorns at that point or yeah well the guy well a guy i was thinking that i was thinking all going back to your old browns was eric turner that yeah, kind of Eric, yeah, I, I, but you know, those guys are playing, you know, played on Sundays. I mean, the, yeah, the, this is this is college ball. So yeah, I mean, you can't the, have that. Ex- it's a different that level of expectation. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to look at here before we get uh, before we get some score predictions here from you two guys. Um, schedule in the Big Twelve. I this is this is the fun part for me to talk about this because I get to talk about other teams within our conference, and I want to know what games you guys are going to watch. Uh, we're the only we're the only game in town on Thursday night on FS1. 7 p.m. FS1. All right. Uh, Kansas opens up with Missouri State uh, 8 p.m. Friday night on ESPN Plus. Here's your Saturday slate on ESPN Plus. Iowa State plays Northern Iowa. Iowa State should be on upset alert for that one. Uh, Cincinnati plays Eastern Kentucky. Kansas State's coming to number 16 in the country. They're playing Southeast Missouri State. Baylor's playing Texas State, and Oklahoma State's playing Central Arkansas. Those are your ESPN Plus games on Saturday. Early games national at noon. TCU home to Colorado. Is that, That's Dion's debut, is that right? Correct. That correct. Wow, so a lot of eyes are going to be on TCU that day. I mean, it's Oklahoma, big for a reason. Yeah, Oklahoma, at, speaking of big noon, at noon in Norman against Arkansas State on ESPN. Hmm. I don't know. Terry Mahajan might be watching that game, though. Fair. Yeah. Meh. 
on Fox, 3.30 slot. Number 11, Texas at home against Rice. Um, that'll be a wipeout. Houston <laughs> makes their Big 12 debut at home at 7 p.m. on FS1 against UTSA. I think they got to be real careful with that one. That's correct. Yeah, UTSA scary good as a as a uh, that quarterback for UTSA. He's a real deal. He, um, yeah, uh, the Roadrunners have a chance of winning the American. Uh, they have a chance of of being. They're my pick to win the American. Actually. Yeah, they they have a chance of going to a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, which uh, as Kyle and I uh, have a you know a, a personal connection to UTSA. So as a result, we always have. Uh, I don't. I can't speak for you, Kyle, but uh, I always have a soft spot for them. Hey, listen, he wouldn't return any of my texts, so I ain't that worried about it. <laughs> Who is this, he by the way? The, he this fixed the glitch. This is a, this is, this is a, a former uh, marching night instructor who then went to you. Oh, oh, you're Ron talking about uh, Ron El- Dr. Ron Ellis. That's right. Correct. Okay. I, I, I he is at UTSA. That's right. That's right. Uh, last, last little bit here, prime time before we move on. Penn State. Uh, at 7.30, number seven Penn State against West Virginia and Happy Valley. That's on NBC. CBS uh, at 7.30 has Texas Tech at Wyoming, and then BYU plays Sam Houston at home 10.15 on FS1. Lopez is back. He's decompressed now, now, from the – you, you Why the are you talking – hold on, hold on. I, I, I've i recovered now from Bryce and his – We gave you some time. We gave you some well, time. Bryson okay, talk, say your piece. Bryson, Bryson talked me off the ledge after – you know, one of the really, I mean, in all seriousness, one of the five worst UCF women's soccer losses I've ever seen ever. Like you can't, you can't blow a one, nothing lead with seven minutes to go. I mean, that is a gut wrenching loss. And Georgia's a good team, but man, they better learn from that. You can't lose that. Why is I hearing West Virginia? Penn State? Because, uh, because we were, we were looking at the, the rest of the schedule and I was asking Kyle and Drew. Yeah. What yeah. what game? What Big Twelve games you guys are are going to watch on Saturday? Oh God, no, not that one. Heck, no. That is an what, awful. Are you going to watch Texas State at Baylor? That was the one you missed. No, I won't wa- No, here's the answer. Don't watch any of these games. Go, go watch. A, this go is, get a life. This is <laughs> awful. Eric Lopez. Are, are we are we serious here? This no, is no, post decompression. <laughs> This is one of the worst opening weekends in the history of the sport. It's embarrassing. Thank huh. God. The only, the only there's one good game. There's one good game that's worth Here even watching, and that's Here comes. LSU, Florida State. You. Mr. Nash will be there. I will be there. That's it. The rest of the schedule just flush it down the toilet. Flush it to the toilet. Reboot it. It's just. Great. Here's the problem. That's, that's that game's on Sunday. What do you do yes. Saturday? Yeah. yeah. It's okay. I'm going to be we calling volleyball. I'm calling volleyball. That's what I'll be. Maybe doing. I'll watch South That's Carolina and North Carolina. Oh, watch <laughs> UCF volleyball, Drew. Be a UCF fan. Be a UCF fan. UCF That's fans. what you need to do. Be a better UCF fan. Let's go. Well, uh, I'm doing research. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, well, let me let me ask you this, Eric. In, in that case, since you're not going to be watching the game, <laughs> oh, any of those games. No. No. Which game will be the no. highest rated oh, here we go. that weekend? Oh, Florida State LSU, easily. No, oh, no, no. Right. I'm not talking which big I'm talking about which Big Twelve game will be the highest rated game. Oh, weekend. it's it's definitely TCU, Oklahoma, Colorado. Texas. Oh, the weekend opening weekend? Yeah, oh, yeah. the opening weekend. Yeah, the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotta it's be TCU Colorado, man. But but that's a noon game though, Drew. Uh, people are gonna be oh, Drew's right. I agree with Drew. 
You don't think it's you're not you're saying it's not going to be Penn State West Virginia on NBC at no, prime time? No, because West Virginia is no. terrible. Yeah, but, but it's that, Penn State. Yeah, but people people are going to tune out. The thing is, um, Deion Sanders is going to attract a lot of casuals. I don't that care are, that are fans of him, is. not the team. I don't mm, care okay. what the clock says. Whenever Deion's coaching is prime time, baby. <laughs> All right, you're waiting. All right. No, you're right. You're both uh, Kyle, 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 and Drew is correct. Deion Sanders is by far the most interesting story of the college football young season. By far, yeah. people game. will be interested in Colorado. <clears throat> Absolutely, at first game, I think they got a chance against TCU because I don't think TCU is very good this year. Uh, so I, I think people will be interested. I agree with Drew. Plus, Fox that noon slot actually does better than people think. Because yeah. at night you got way more games. You got Carolina, South Carolina. You got all this other junk going on. So uh, UFC, I think, probably has a show that night. So there's more competition at night than there is at noon. Uh, so I well, think that's, that's probably fair. Well, again, that's that's the week one stuff. Uh, obviously, remember, coming up, this is week zero. We have uh, we have a, a, sl- a well a, a, a moderate slate of games on Saturday. Moderate, Everything starts with the game in. Everything starts with the game in uh, Ireland between Notre Dame and Navy. Notre Dame's going to destroy Navy in that game. Man, ESPN, wow. They kick off the college football season with UMass at New Mexico State. Oh, no, no. They, they kick off with FCS schools. They got FCS games? They've got Mercer. Yeah, there's one at ABC. Alabama. Yeah, yeah, uh, ABC. On, uh, see, well, they, see, Elo, aren't you glad you didn't come in during this part? You'd have been back on the ledge. Yeah, 3.30, <laughs> Mercer I want to know what you guys have been talking ESPN. about. What, what could- Mercer, yeah. and we've been previewing the football game, Eric. What but game? the the uh, the the game on uh, the game on Thursday, a week from tonight. Oh, the scrimmage! The scrimmage! Got it. All right. oh, see, there you go. <laughs> no, no, you there can't you use that excuse. This is an FBS school. It does count. Yeah, uh, USC. I, I, I'm they actually be? looking forward Maybe to that's that. The question uh, should be asked: Should they be? Should they be? Actually, we did have that conversation. Well, I mean, right, yeah, they're about. Yeah, we, we concluded that they're about as close as you can get to FCS while still being an FBS. But anyway, um, so so that's so that's the matchup for this coming Saturday. But of course, the full slate starts the following Saturday, thirty first of August, Thursday, seven p.m. FS one. Eric, give me an idea. Uh, are you thinking uh, TV viewer numbers for FS one? This is the first time we've been on FS1 in a long time. Yeah. I think was it the Maryland game in in seventeen? Yeah, yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't expect any. Uh, yeah, don't expect viewership for that. Game. I would say I'm gonna uh, go on a limb and say not good. Like they're like they're not get, just not gonna release it. <laughs> no, they're not CBS Sports. They may not. It may not crack. I mean, first of all, you have Florida Utah head to head on ESPN. You have Nebraska Minnesota on Fox regular Fox. I don't care about any of which Nebraska gets good viewership. Just oh, you, I mean, you can say you will I mean, you right. They have a big following. Uh, it's the first game there. I mean, Matt Roll. Look, there's two conferences that draw ratings. It's the SEC and the Big Ten. I hate to bring it to you guys. No, and I get that. That Drew Florida knows this Utah, very well. Like, so, yeah, Florida and Utah yeah. is a big rematch from last year and all that. I get that. All right. All right. I mean, um, this one will not draw big. Did you guys hey, make your season picks? At least there's an. No, we haven't made our season week. picks yet. No, no, we're gonna make them next week on the site. So, in yeah. addition, we're also. I wanted to introduce this too. We're also gonna be doing a uh, our our version of twelve for twelve, if you will, 
our big 12 questions for UCF heading into the Big 12. And we're going to be start dropping those on uh, Friday the 25th and pulling them off across the entire week leading up to the uh, football game. Last thought, Drew. Well, I was going to say, at least UCF starts an hour before that Florida-Utah game, so they get a chance to pull a few people before they lose them to the other game. Yeah. <laughs> and if uh, and if you see, and if and and if things go well, <laughs> the game might be over by then. Who knows? I, I, I mean, they, I mean, competitively, that game's going to be over. I, that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> I mean, gonna, it better be. Over. It better be over. Better yeah. First, well, uh, Bryson Turner Everybody confirms with us. Bryson Turner confirms with us that the last time UCF played a game on FS1, it was the game at Maryland in 2017 after the hurricane. Hey, let's all hope Eric Burris is full of crap as usual and there's no rain on the forecast. Haters so, gonna hate. Aaron, which game are you tuning into? The Did season haven't even started yet. Eric is just throwing grenades in every room he oh, goes by. He chose that was a bro- I mean, it, oh, God, the whip, the whiplash with the soccer at the same Here time. Here we go. Just all right, well, we're going to get – speaking of which, I think he needs let's, <laughs> let's get to that because uh, uh, our the soccer team split on uh, on this Thursday evening. First uh, Thursday with, with soccer on both sides. First of all, let's, uh, let's get this out of the way first, Eric, because I know you – Georgia against uh, uh, UCF on the women's side. Yikes, man. Uh, UCF had a one nothing lead, and then Georgia scored in the 83rd, and then in the 83rd minute to tie it, and then 55 seconds to go. They get they get the game they get the go ahead in Athens. Now, all right, let's 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 step again. I'm gonna pull you back off the ledge here a little bit. Okay. All right, good luck. Is this I I know blow a lead with under 10 minutes to go. Long term. Looking at this in the RPI, does this one hurt all that much? Uh, We'll see. It depends how you think they'll do in the Big 12 play. I mean, Georgia hopefully will be pretty good. A lot of people think they'll be pretty good. But, I mean, it's not even about the the opponent. Georgia's pretty good. It's not even – look, it's just the way you lose a match. Losing like that in soccer is like blowing a four-touchdown lead in football. It really is. To not even get a result is brutal and you know hopefully they learn from that they got a quick turnaround they got to be at home they're young you know they they had some chances early they took the lead you just but then georgia pushed it on them and you wonder you wonder sometimes if teams play a little bit too cautious um you know we didn't get to see the purdue match but i know purdue made a late push on ucf as well Mm -hmm. can't play not to lose late yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't talk about that because they. Did, I mean, they did get the road win at Purdue. Now, yeah. uh, Carolyn Delisle made a tremendous save at the horn, basically, to preserve a one nothing win. So they're one and one on the road against SEC Big Ten competition. All things considered, you know, and, and and I know what you're saying about like blowing a lead and like how you lost and like in the locker room. Yeah, that's gotta suck. But the RPI doesn't care about that, right? It only cares about. Did you win? Did you lose? Did you tie? And all things considered, you know, like you said, conference play notwithstanding, I don't think that this 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 doesn't blow the season by any no, means. No, you hope you learn from it, but it does bring concern. Bryson and I were talking about this because he was just as livid as I was. I mean, we were we couldn't believe it. I want to see uh, angry we, Bryson. Oh, oh no. yeah, it, Bryson's amazing. I don't. I don't. I I don't know what that's like, and it's unpredictable. Give me angry. All the more reason I want to see angry Bryce. Trust me, I'm calm. I 
It makes me look calm. The pen, the pen with his fire, his fire, that fire. I, I, I want to see the rage of a thousand suns. Rage. All right. Well, um, but no, look that. They got a bad bet. You just hope it's not a trick. Because when you get into the Big 12, you're, these are the type of matches you're going to have to hold leads. You know, teams are going to come pressure you. You know, you know they, they graduated Dario Rajayi in the midfield. You know, possession of, of the ball. You know, I, who's going to do that for this team? Defense, they lost. Graduated CAC. That's an issue there as well. So, I mean, it's just tough because you're right there. You just – you hope you, that players don't – well, we've got Caroline Delisle at goal. We're fine. No, you got to – got to keep playing and that's the hope that maybe this in the long run will learn from that and move forward the rest of the year because i mean oh just in soccer terms that is brutal it's it's well they they're they're back on it on the 27th against uh unf for the home opener yeah quick turn on uh at 5 p.m so yeah relatively quick turnaround that one's going to be on espn plus um and then they go back on the road at penn state uh on thursday the 31st across from the football game um, on the road at Happy Valley, so you Top know 10, it, that's a really good Penn State team. That's yeah, a good Penn State. Team. Yeah, but you snag that one. You know, I don't know. It doesn't. It, nothing can cancel the UGA loss because then you're kind of like, ah, oh, man, we could have had three on the road against these teams. You know, but you know what can you do? I mean, that's that's the sport. So we want to see what you want to see them, but you want to see them handle UNF. Just take care of. Them. Oh, right. No, yeah, you don't want to hang over from this. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to hang over this. And uh, you know what? I'm tired. Let's not play ever again. Any UCF sports ever play in Athens because just heartbreak just happens in Athens sport. Really, we don't need yeah. it. So, right. so just, Eric, let me football, let me flip football had a brutal a loss. We just don't need it. Sure. Let me flip the script on you. And so you're obviously on the men's side, huge win yes. against Clemson. I'm yeah. monumental win. You know. Two to one win against the number four team in the country. Yeah, you're talking uh, tonight. huge. So the big yeah. question is, also on the 27th, they play Stepson. Uh, Stetson. Step- <laughs> <laughs> that's so, yeah. Oh, that's so wrong. Nice work. Nice work. Is it possible for a letdown at that point? I mean, you're, you're riding that right. high on that huge no, win. No, right. Fair. Is that a trap? No, it's, it's that's a, a trap, trap right? Oh, uh, look, you're right. That is a, an interesting to see how they come out with that. I mean, this is, you can make the argument, it's the most significant regular regular season win in program history. Uh, there's obviously Whoa. big. No, I mean, look at the, I mean, you. Well, we got to gotta see what Clemson does the rest of the way, though. They could be overrated. They also could, I mean, they're a college cup contender. They were the favorites in the preseason in the ACC, which is the strongest league by which, far. Which, in how Minnesota. dare they pick Clemson over my Syracuse Orange? But anyway. I don't know. I can't tell you. Um, How dare they disrespect the defending national champions? To win at that place, which, by the way, if you watch the game, the Clemson has incredible uh, facilities. That men's soccer stadium is beautiful. Like, oh yeah, can we? Man, we got we got a long ways to go from a facility standpoint across the board in the, in the next. Uh, yeah, people years. think we should be expanding the football stadium. Uh yeah, yeah, not so much. Anyway, so. They give up a goal 25 seconds in through a penalty kick, and they responded very well. Uh, they kept pushing. They tied it up. Clemson got a, a red card. It made him a man short. UCF took advantage of that. You know, we uh, Bryson and I spoke to Scott Calabrese uh, before the match, and he said, I want to see how they come out against Clemson, and they responded very well. So right. yeah. that's a huge, and, and, huge win. 
Yeah, and I want to get to that. Actually, we're going to get to that right now. So we did have our full preview with Scott Calabrese. Uh, this one's pretty lengthy, about 30 minutes uh, between Eric Lopez um, and uh, Bryson and Coach Calabrese. But, you know, he gave us a full preview of this team, Eric. And I'll, I'll let you lead into it. But, you know, I think that overall, and it's only be- and it's only become more so after this first game, that this is the, you know, you know, remember the ads, the most interesting man in the world? This is the most interesting team on campus because they're in the Sun Belt Conference with West Virginia, the only other Big 12 school that has men's soccer. Big 12, SEC do not sponsor men's soccer. So you guys have South Carolina, Kentucky. Kentucky is a top five team. Marshall is an early preseason, is, is, a, is a preseason top, top 10, top 15. I think they're 11th coming in. Um, and you got a, a West Virginia's kind of knocking on the door of the top 25. So this is the I think this is the most interesting story coming into this year, given the irregularity of the competition that they're facing, Eric. Uh, we can discuss that in the back end of the interview. I mean, I think everybody has some interesting stories, uh, you know, I mean, all sports is retrieving all the sports. But men's soccer, certainly it's unique. They're in the Sun Belt after a great run in the American, how they would do. Uh, from that standpoint, and, and you mentioned it, Bryson and I earlier this week had a chance to talk to head coach Scott Calabrese, talk about life in the Sun Belt, and what can Knights fans expect from this year's version of UCF men's soccer in the Sun Belt and beyond. All right, joining us now, he's the head coach at UCF soccer. They get their season going, and we're right, we're back in it. It's going to be an exciting year, an inaugural year in the Sun Belt. Of course, great non-conference schedule. Of course. Scott Calabrese joining us here on the on Black and Gold Banneret. Uh, Coach, how you doing? I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. What is it like? I mean, we, we've talked in the past. It's always, you know, that eve before that opener. Of course, you got to schedule a marquee opener. Can't, uh-huh. you know, with that tradition, unlike any other, going to Clemson. But what is it like for this group? Are they aware of really kind of a historical year for all of UCF athletics, but men's soccer included? Yeah, I think I think it's pretty clear to them. I think um, they they've gotten the messages from you know the coaches from the administration. I think they feel the energy, uh, this different energy, and I think just in the conversations I've had with the guys, there's a level of excitement to be playing new new teams that we have never played before to to be in the Sun Belt. Um, so I think I think they feel it. Uh, I'm I'm super excited about it because I know the quality that's that's ahead of us and and some of the challenges that are ahead of us. So yeah, I think I think the guys are actually really excited. You've gone through this before, where you know you go to different conferences and things. What's some of the from a coaching staff standpoint? You know, mm-hmm. you're dealing with new schools that you're not used to playing every year, like you have maybe in the previous conference. How does that affect the preparation and and just does that bring some extra anxiousness? What what's that like? Well, I think I think it means that we have to do a little bit more work, um, and and I say that because you know when you get used to playing a team year in and year out, um, certain teams don't change the way they play. Tulsa's got a way of playing, uh, SMU had a way of playing that you knew when when you scheduled that. Well, that 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 game that this is the formation they were going to play. These are the patterns that you were going to see. These are the players that you were going to see. Um, and so, you know, you already have done preparation for that game in the previous years that you've played them. You, you know, what's coming 
And so that's what's going to be a little bit different in this year is that these are all new teams and uh, and we're going to end up watching a lot more game film to better understand what those teams are trying to do. And then most importantly, then what are we going to do that that is going to counteract um, what they're trying to do and, and, and to be successful against them and to create chances against them and to create goals against them um, and, and to find ways to to beat to beat these teams. Can you talk about what it's like to have these new opponents just from a travel perspective, because with the exception yeah. of, because with the exception of Morgantown, you don't share any other, you know, conference play destinations with the rest of, you, you know, UCF's team. So what has that been like from whether, how to, how you structure your non-conference schedule and how you kind of play with that now that you have the new conference stuff? Yeah, I think, I think the conference travel is harder than than the american the american tended to be bigger cities uh these are more college towns but but big programs you know kentucky university of south carolina um university of west virginia like those are all big universities um big brands and they're harder to get to uh so i think that's one of the challenges that we'll have is is in the travel in in terms of how we structured our non-conference season um, I would say that that's really down to we we want to challenge ourselves. We need to play games that are important games that are significant that give us an opportunity to to get RPI points to to build our resume for the NCAA tournament. Um, and there's a few teams in there from a non-conference standpoint that'll help us do that. There's definitely teams in in um, the Sun Belt that'll help us do that. Um, so I think we've got we've got a really good group of teams that give us the opportunity to build a, a really strong RPI in case to be in the NCAA tournament. So that's definitely part of it. And that and then we want to be able to get these, you know, these teams at home. Um, and so as part of the agreement with Clemson is okay, yeah, we're gonna go and we're gonna play Clemson, but then in either you know 2024 or 25, Clemson's gonna come and return to UCF, and then that's gonna provide our fans with an incredible opportunity to go and see a marquee game uh, right here in Orlando. And I think that's, that's something that we're always trying to do with, uh, with some of these, these bigger teams. Speaking, speaking of big teams go, come, going home, going home and home. You also have FIU back on the schedule. It was a conference matchup last year. Yeah. And now FIU yeah. is going to be coming here. I mean, with the state of Florida being a soccer state as it is, I imagine it's a uh, kind of fortunate that you have in-state opponents that you're able to schedule for those purposes you mentioned earlier. Oh, for, for sure. For sure. I think the in-state opponents that we have, there are some RPI ones. Uh, and then there's also some local ones that are really good. And you know, I'll say this, it's good with some of our weather uh, to be able to schedule some guys that are local as well, where if, if you get a game that is unfortunately uh, either postponed due to weather, you you know, you, you can go right there and play that game the next day or later on in the season. So, you know, we've got we've got great local games that we can play. We've got some awesome talent. Um uh, other teams with with you know really good RPIs in the state of Florida and and we're going to play you know all of those games and then we're going to go out of region a little bit and and play like the NC states of the world and the Clemsons of the world. 
Well, I would assume, too, that helps, though, that, you know, you could play teams from the ACC, which has been the strongest conference in the sport, and you got teams yeah. like NC State coming to your place this year. You mentioned Clemson in the future. Uh, you, you know, that helps, too, from a, ge- a geography standpoint. Yes, it's a little bit of a flight, but it's not cross-country. That's got to be a benefit. Yeah, it, it is. And that that's something we've we've targeted that for a while. Um, you know, we've played Wake. We've played North Carolina. We've played Clemson. Or we will be playing Clemson. We've played NC State. So, you know, having the ACC in that close proximity uh, and and being able to get those schools to to play home and homes, I think that's a that's a great situation for us. And we'll we'll, we'll keep trying to schedule those games. Let's talk about your team and the roster. Of course, we got to start with Luca Dorado. What yeah. he's meant to your program. You've coached some great players. I mean, Cal Jennings comes to mind for me as the best maybe soccer player I've seen in person that played at UCF. Just talk about Luca and, and his knack for the having come up with the goals that he's done throughout his career and what you expect from him this year. Yeah, I mean, there there's so many positive things that I can say about Luca as as a player and as a person. Um, first and foremost, he's just an incredible person. I, I think we start there and he just he's a great teammate. Um He's a loving guy. He loves his teammates. He loves his team. I think he um, he really feels at home here at UCF. Um, and he, you know, he plays with a smile and training. And uh, you know, it's just it's it's a pleasure to have him here to coach him. Um, yeah, I, I I love being around him. I love coaching him. I think that's how everybody feels about him uh, as a player. There's no doubt he has uh, he has a knack and, a, and an ability to score goals in big situations, important situations, um, and and he gets better and better at it every year. Um, and I think I I really enjoy coaching him and helping him grow uh, in 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 both the soccer side of things and and in the human side of things. Um, and I think I think we're going to see great things from Luca this year. Well, one way that it really helped Luca get elevated to the way he was was the support he got from assist men like Mauricio Villalobos and Gino Vivi, but both of which yeah. are off of this year. Gino up off in the MLS and Mauricio off in Europe. So, can you talk about this new kind of this, this new midfield and who else we could see kind of elevate get into that position to set up players like Luca for goals? Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, I think I think. All of the top strikers, except for one in the world, need some assists, right? And the only one in the world that doesn't really need too much help is Messi. Um, everybody else needs their friends to pass them the ball at the right moment. And I think, I think what you're going to see is that there's going to be some people that step up and fill that role of of a Mao of a Gino. Um, some of those guys were here already. I, I think AJ is going to be a guy that is going to help us in the attack from, from the midfield position. Sometimes he'll be a little bit lower. Sometimes he'll be a little bit higher. Um, you're going to see, you know, Anderson, we're going to get Anderson forward quite a bit on the left side. Uh, and then Timo on the right side. Um, and I think those guys from the outside back position, you're going to see a little bit of a different approach because I think both those guys can help coming forward out of the back. Uh, and then I think we've got two young guys 
who have come into the team that are very interesting in the middle, and that's Giannis Belatrash, a uh, French attacking midfield player, really smart player. Um, I think I think he's a player that's that's going to help us. Uh, Saku is a is another guy who I think over time will develop and help us. And and you know we uh, we're we're excited to see what those guys are able to do um, because I think I think there's a lot of ability there. Uh, and then we also have a guy, um, Clarence Erdouard, who is transferred from, from Oregon State. And he's a guy that has a knack for the goal himself as well. And so, you know, I think I think in in most of the top teams, what you'll see is that it won't be just one player that's scoring the goals. You know, that usually you've got a player that's got somewhere between 12 and 15 goals. And then you have two or three others that are each chipping in uh, seven goals, six goals, somewhere in that range, usually a winger or two or an attacking mid and a winger. Um, and I think a guy like Clarence, he he absolutely has goals in him. I think Giannis has goals in him. Uh, we want to see Ema step up this year and, and be a threat on the wing, which I think he can do. Um, you know, there, there's some other young guys. It's it's still it's still quite early for us. I, I want to say we've only really been in preseason camp. It's not. I don't think it's been two weeks yet. So we're we're seeing we're seeing a lot of promise from a lot of different sources. Well, and that's the thing that's always marvelled about soccer to me. You and Tiff have, I think, one of the toughest jobs in that. You know, when your players come back to report, you have a short period of time before your opener, so you're kind of learning on the. And we've discussed this at length about how it's a sprint, and that's why you've campaigned for being a two semester sport in part because of that. So, Absolutely. how is a coach? How is a coach? Do you you know cram a you know? There's that balancing act of you want them to be on the same page and have that chemistry. So you don't, you know, but you want to also kind of implement a lot of stuff. How do you balance all that? Um, it, it, it's really difficult. And no matter what you do, especially I, I think we play in a more complicated way than a lot of other teams. And I do think it takes longer for us to, to really understand, for the players to understand how we're going to play. So you're, you're going into your first game and you know – that you have not covered everything that you need to cover. You are underprepared. The only solace you can take is that you also know that the team you're playing is also underprepared. <laughs> and and it's just, it's probably going to be a matter of, okay, if we're, hopefully what we didn't give enough attention to doesn't hurt us. And that we, that we put our efforts and our energy and our focus on things that are really going to help us. Um, and and we hope that what the other team didn't cover, we hurt them on. Uh, so it's it, it's it's something that it's a it's a gravity problem. We know we're not ready. It's it's difficult as a coach a, a, where you want to control everything, right, and get all that information to your players to know it. But you just have to live with it until we change our system. And uh, the the best thing we can do is we can change our system so that we can better prepare our players and uh, and that they go into the season more uh better organized where are we as far as i know you, we've talked in the past about it covid obviously threw a lot of those plans back in the in the back yeah. burner 
Uh, it's especially with, as far as becoming a two-semester sport. Tennis has now become a two-semester sport since we last talked. So they're going to that route. I don't know yeah. if they stole it from you guys yeah. or not. But um, where are we with that? Are we any closer to that? And is there even a consideration of maybe starting the season a little further back if you can't get the two-semester, maybe starting the season a little later to give you even more time to preparation? I, I think the last I heard um, on, on the conversation is that we had to wait until we've had this transformation committee come come down with, with some new directives, right? And uh, so the transformation committee met, they've put forth all these proposals. A lot of these proposals have been adopted and all of the, I guess, mechanisms, the administrators the, that, that, were, that were moving towards this two semester model said, hey, we have to pause until we understand what the NCA looks like before we can say we can do this or not. So now that's happened. Um, and I'm not 100% sure where that leaves us. Uh, I think the coaches still want to move forward and and create a better system. Um, you may see this happen. I'm not sure with uh, maybe a conference or two jumps the gun and just does it. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but I've just different conversations I've had with with various people have said that that is a possibility that conference may decide, okay, no, we're going to do this because they have that power to do that. If they're a P5 conference, I'm not sure if P5 even exists anymore, if it's P4 or what, what it is, but um, there, there's still a desire to do it. I'm not just, I'm not fully aware of what now the next step is, um, but I'm sure it'll come back up at the end of this season. And I hope we move towards it because I think for so many reasons we've discussed before, this is this is a better model. Yeah, you know, and it, it, I agree. Go ahead, Bryce. It's an inter yeah, it's an interesting direction because you talk about the P five, but of course, in men's soccer, two P five conferences don't have men's soccer. The Big Twelve right. being among them, and you end and speaking of power, you have three of Power Five, you know, programs in your first conference schedule with West Virginia and Kentucky, and then throw in Marshall in there, the former national championship. I mean that's. It's a pretty that's a pretty big some open conference opener right there from that perspective. For sure. For sure. I think there's I think there's some um there's some big teams that are, you know, you have, you have two SEC teams in there in South Carolina and Kentucky and then you've got UCF and West Virginia as the Big 12 teams, so there's there's a few P5s right there and then of course ACC sponsors it and the Big 10. Um those are big those are big conferences for, for men's soccer. So, um, you know, I think, I think there is amongst that group and, and a number of other programs that maybe aren't in the power five, a real desire to move in the direction of a two semester model. Well, while everybody figures all that out, which I think, I feel like everybody's trying to figure out college athletics nowadays. We'll worry about what's going <laughs> on uh, on the pitch. I want to start uh, talk about your defense and start at goal course. And yeah. Munoz, what did you, you know, where have you seen from him this offseason, the growth? You know, he was so young last year. Uh, learn on the fly, if you will. What did you see? What have you seen from him going into this year? I I feel like there's a ton of growth in Wanby. And that that growth is in um, is in his is calmness and his presence. 
uh, where he's a really fiery guy and an intense and passionate guy. Uh, maybe sometimes during last season, in his first season, um, it went to a point where it it didn't help his performance. It started to hurt his performance. And I think where he's gotten to now is that it's he's just stronger mentally. And I think it's really, when things are going well, it's really easy to be strong mentally, right? Um, it's when it's when you give up a goal or your defender makes a mistake or you know you're you play a pass uh, or you're oftentimes it could be a teammate that plays a pass that is the wrong pass or the referee makes a decision that you don't like right in those moments I think that's when we're going to see one v as a more mature person and I think by being he'll still have passion to him he'll he'll still be fiery and intense. But I think what you'll see is it won't it he won't get carried away with it and he'll be able to then pay attention to what's important and and perform in the moment. And I think I think that's gonna be the biggest step that that Wambi's gonna take and it's gonna make him a better leader too. Then on the back line, you've got some returners, you got some new faces there. Uh, yeah. talk about the defense because I know you've said it over the years. When you've been a championship team, you know, people focus on the offense and the excitement there, but it's really the back line that's been the key there uh, and you and the consistency there. What do you see from your group there uh, this season? Well, I, I, I see a lot more maturity. I see more consistency in, in the way that we're able to play. Uh, Anderson's obviously, he's a staple back there, has been a staple back there. Um and I think he's improved as a defender. It, it, going forward, he's always been a player that adds something to the attack. And I think what you'll see this year is he's also become a better defender. Um, and so, you know, that's that's the left-back position. Uh, and then Rafa. Rafa was a transfer from Pitt last season and had an up-and-down season because uh, he had a lot of injuries. Um he had a lot. He had a lot going on academically too. Is a very strong. Uh, he, he was in a very strong major as a grad student, and it put a lot of pressure on him. And uh, you know, we don't often talk about this, but that actually that took away a bit from from the energy he could give to the football. Um, and I think you're going to see a different Rafa this year, and and we'll use him sometimes as a left center back, and we'll use him sometimes as a left back. Uh, and that might give Anderson a little bit of a chance to get higher on the left side if we play Rafa as the left back. Um, and then then you've got a couple other guys in uh, Jonas who's who's come in as a as a graduate student. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential to help us. Uh, had a little bit of an injury in preseason, but now is coming back from it. But I think you're going to see great things from him. And then I'm really excited to have uh, Zane Bub back. Uh, another player who struggled last season with injuries very early on. He had an ACL, so he's back. He's a transfer from Virginia Tech. He's got a physical presence. He, he's got a presence um, in terms of leadership at the back. He's six foot four. He can win balls in the air, which is something that, that hurt us last year, is uh, set pieces. And I think he's someone that can help us with that. And then we have Timo's back. Um, he was another player that was injured for most of last year. And so Timothy's Timothy's back. He's healthy. He's starting to get back to playing.
football at, at the level he's capable of. And uh, and then we added a guy, uh, Ron Dekan, who um, he, he's, he's an Israeli player. And I think he can help us as a right back. And the, these guys all bring something different. Um, and, and we still have one or two other guys who are also coming back from injury that I think when we have, when we have everyone healthy, there's going to be, there's going to be some tough decisions that, that we'll have to make as a coaching staff in terms of who's, who's going to, who's going to play. But I think we're going to have a strong back line, stronger than, stronger than in the past two years, for sure. Sounds like you've got more depth that maybe you've had the last couple of years. Obviously, that's a lot. Some of the injuries you had to deal with yeah. last year, which you know I know you don't want to talk about because you know that's part of the game. But you did get hit with some injuries that kind of hurt your, you know, kind of exposed perhaps some depth issues you had. Do you feel you've Great. got that depth this year, especially? And it sounds weird to say this since you with you know we're used to this in summer in Florida, but it is hot, like in the nineties to a hundred, and that yeah. could play a factor from a conditioning standpoint early in the year. There, there there's no doubt. Um, so we're going to play Thursday, then we're going to have to turn around. We're going to have to play Sunday. And, and the reality is, is that we're, we're not going to be able to play the same team Thursday and Sunday and then turn around and play Friday. So we're, we're going to need to go a lot deeper this, this season. And I think we have that in our team. Um, we still have some guys coming back from injury that I'd love for them to be healthy because then I would feel like, okay, we have real depth because I have to make a choice not have the choice kind of being made for me because they're not available. But I, I do think when, when everybody's healthy, that, that we have real depth and we have real depth in every position. And I don't think that was the case last year. Uh, I do think that's the case this year. You're coming off of your first losing season in your tenure here at UCF. Obviously injuries kind of affected that, but and the American was supersized, but I just want to ask, you know, how do you rebound from a season like that, that maybe doesn't go your way from that perspective? Well, I'm, what I'll tell you is it started the day after the season ended and it started by the staff trying to understand, okay, what, what didn't we do that we needed to do in that season, right? What do we need? to be at the level that we expect, because that was below our standards. Um, what do we need to do to be at the level that we expect to be at from, let's say that season ended November 10th, from November 11th till August uh, 24th, what do we need to do? And we put a lot of thought into, you know, where we need to improve. And, you know, one of the very first things we did is we went, we recruited at, at a really high level because we thought, okay, not only are we um, losing some players to graduation and turning pro, but but we also need to add to this team in, in real meaningful ways. And so uh, I felt like we worked incredibly hard in that off season. Cause I always, I feel like you're going to suffer either you're going to suffer in January, February, and March by being on the road, or you're going to suffer in September, October, November. And, and we decided, okay, we're going to really work in January, February, March and, and recruit at a high level. And, and I thought that was the, that was really important. I think we did that. Uh, and then we worked with the players that we had. And, um, you know, I think one of the signs that we have a, we have a good program and a really good culture 
is that, you know, some of our top players, um, they're, they're all here, right? When, when you look at Anderson and Luca and AJ and, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that was a hard season. Losing seasons are very difficult. Um, and, and they, they, they are like, Nope, we're, we're in, we are here. We're with UCF. Um, we love the team. We, we love this program. And then we believe that we're going to build back into the type of program that, that we can all be proud of. So, um, and now that we've done that part, now it's okay. Now, now we get to coach this team, this really exciting team and, and organize them and talk about our culture that we want to create, um, to talk about, you know, okay, when things go, go poorly and, and Luca alluded to this in his conversation, I think, okay, if things go well, yeah, everything's great. But when things are tough, because there's no way you play a schedule like the schedule we've got and everything's just going to go perfectly according to plan. These other teams are too good. And so when things are tough and if let's say we concede a goal, how do we react to that? Let's say we have bad moments in a game. How do we react to those moments? That's going to be so important. And I think that's where the culture of this group is, is significantly better. And, Last and we'll, couple, we'll, we'll of course yeah. see that. Well, and it gets going against a team that many believe are picking to go to the college cup and Clemson was a favorite in the ACC. 100%. You've told you, you've told me this in the past that you will learn something about your team that you always have a question or two in your mind going into that opener that you're going to get some answers. Yeah. What are so what what questions do you have that you're looking forward to finding out about your team starting this uh, open with the opener against Clemson? Yeah, I think I think the number one question is because it's going to be tough and it's a great environment. All right, what's the mentality of the group? All right, how how do we react to the tough moments? Um, when things go poorly, how are, are we hanging our heads or are we picking each other up and are we, are we working for each other? Right. And I think when, when we see that and we, we get to understand that we'll, we'll know if we're on the right path or we need to bring attention to that. Um, I think, I think we're going to see a different mentality. I think it all, it's all going to start with the mentality of the group um, in good and in difficult times, uh, how, how we deal with that and, uh, and that we're unshakable in those, in those moments. And then that, that'll tell us a lot because I do think we're, we're learning how to play in this style with so many new players and that's going to take a little bit, um, but that's okay. That's under, that's understood. That that's understood that on day one we are we're not the finished article, but that that we're working towards it. Well, Coach, good luck uh, this season. Appreciate you taking the time from a busy schedule to talk to us, and uh, good, we'll we'll yeah. look forward to seeing you out there throughout the year. Great talking to you guys. We will uh, we will see you soon. And thanks, Coach Calabrese, joining us there. Uh, thanks to Ryan Ladika who helped set that uh, interview up, as well as Kenny Landis, who's out in Clemson. Uh, multi, we've got multi SIDs all over them. Uh, that was prior to the Clemson match. And the depth, and I think the depth that Scott Calabrese mentioned there at the end of the interview showcased itself even in the Clemson, Clemson match. Uh, that that was a key. He did not have depth the last couple of years. Injuries hurt them in that regard. Uh, so hopefully the depth could be the difference maker this season for them that cost them the last couple of years. And I think that's kind of mm-hmm. how Scott feels with it, with the Munoz a year older, a goalkeeper, 
The offense, I think, will be good, led by Dorado. But you saw some of the other new guys stepping up tonight. Bryson and I, Bryson, was, uh, we were talking about it during the match. Some of the new faces was huge for UCF. Yeah. So uh, that was huge. That was a huge Yeah, one, one, go, one of the key goals Clemson. from now, as far as the sub uh, Saku Heiskanen from, uh, yeah. from Finland, I believe, right? Yes. So. English. Yeah, Br- Bryson knows the resume. He knows these players inside out. Yeah, we'll defer to Bryson with the resume <laughs> breakdown. But new faces, good deal. Here's the thing about the Sun Belt. It's a very strong lead. But that's a power it's not conference. As as the American was last year. It well, is. It so? wasn't as strong as the American. The American had five teams in the field of 48 last year. It was the number two rated conference behind only the ACC. Uh, the Sun Belt had two teams in last year. I think they could get three in this year. I think they'll be back and forth. But my point is, for UCF, they kind of had some – it was a rough league last year, and they had some rough luck, yeah. injuries, lack of depth. So I think they can do some damage here. I agree with you. Kentucky's the overwhelming favorite. They're a national title contender. Marshall's very good. West Virginia, people think, will bounce back from a couple of years ago. They were an Elite Eight team. Yeah. I think there's – Let's not forget, Marshall won the national title just two years ago. Too. Yeah, that was a COVID. That was a COVID. Uh, nobody – Still won it. Doesn't count any less. Uh, uh, <laughs> So I think the question with the Sun Belt beyond those teams is what you get from everybody else. South Carolina's, the, the, the Georgia Southern. But it's a good league. Yeah. It's a very good league. And I think for UCF men's soccer, though, I think they have a chance to do some damage here, assuming they stay healthy. And I think the depth that Coach Calabrese is confident about, I think they can contend for a conference championship this year. The negative is they have to go to Kentucky uh, this year. Uh, but look, they just went to Clemson and won. And that's a tough place to play. So yeah. uh, I do. Th- I'm optimistic on both soccer teams. I actually think women's soccer has more questions still to answer than the men. I actually like the men's side even before this result with Clemson. And certainly uh, that's a big positive step. But to Drew's point earlier, you can't you got to take care of Stetson on Sunday and literally step on him as I guess Drew alleged. <laughs> Last little bit I want to talk about uh, volleyball. Um, they're opening up at, in Albany. The Jenny Maurer era starts with a matchup against a team that was not in the American, except in football. That would be Navy in Albany, New York, of all places, uh, at the U Albany Volleyball Classic. Get this. At Navy on uh, Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Uh, at, uh, against, uh, or, or excuse me, against Navy in Albany. Against Syracuse in Albany, uh, at noon on on uh, Saturday, and then they finish with the host Great Danes on uh, Sunday at one to start the Jenny Mauer era uh, on the road. Eric, um, some familiarity with Syracuse. They played last year. Head coach at Syracuse was a longtime head coach at Temple prior to going to Central New York. Uh, what do we expect to see from UCF, who ostensibly has the strongest team coming out of last year? Uh, out of this four-team field. But, you know, uh, like we said, a lot of changes. No McKenna Melville. No Amber Olsen. This is a totally new-look UCF volleyball team and program. Almost totally new-look. I mean, Jenny, obviously, the the holdover taking over for Todd Dagenet. Uh She's got two new assistants underneath. Um, what do we want to see here from UCF volleyball in this opening weekend up in uh, up in Albany, probably get off to a good start before you get 
to the meat of the schedule. I, I think it's a good warm-up tournament. Uh, this is kind of a return trip. Syracuse played at the UCF tournament to open this uh, last year. But I think it's kind of a return to go up the Northeast. Look, it's a young team. Half the roster is basically new, either with transfers or freshmen. Uh, it's a new era. Jenny Mauer takes over as the head coach with Todd moving on to the pro league. But you mentioned it. They lose the greatest volleyball player of all time in program history, McKenna Melville. You lose a top three setter in all time in Amber Olsen. More than likely, Abby Schalmers, who Fred Shirtle last year, a freshman from Omaha, will be the starting setter. I was at the scrimmage last Saturday. You know, guys, they actually have open scrimmages in other sports, unlike football. You know, we're, they're not you know, they're not as paranoid as football. You know, for some reason, the NFL, Kyle, do they not have open scrimmages in the NFL too? Well, not the entire time, but. But sometimes. <laughs> college football, take notes. If you want to be taken seriously, college football. Um, yeah, college football is totally I, not taken seriously. Not by not by the Northeast where volleyball is. They're all about the mid volleyball. But oh boy, I was at the scrimmage volleyball, and what stood out? They're young. Lauren Clark's a kid to what to name to remember. She's an outside hitter, transfer out of Penn State, then Florida Gulf Coast. I think she will probably be one of their leading scorers. But let's be real, you're not going to replace McKenna. So what you're hoping is you have a combination of people stepping up, whether it be a Lauren Clark. I think. All- Offensively, they got to get more production offensively in the middle from Abby Hansen, Claudia Dillon, maybe some of the Heidi Bonday steps up, uh, players like that. But they're very, very young. Um, and I think yeah. you're going to take some patience. And I think it'll be, I'm really fascinated to see how Jenny handles this roster from the standpoint of you've got the youngsters, the new faces, how much playing time do you give them? Which ones get the playing time? Which ones redshirt? You have some of the veteran. It's an interesting roster. But they got to get off to a good start because it's not going to get easier after this weekend. They host Mississippi State next weekend. Wake Forest at home. Florida State's in the non-conference. Got a road trip to the Big Ten uh, there. And then the Big 12 starts, which is going to be a gauntlet. That is going to be a challenge with Texas in the league for one more year. The defending national champions are in the league. Baylor's good. TCU's good. Houston has become a trendy pick to a lot of people to make a deep run to Tampa, which is where the Final Four is this year. So, Tough challenge for this young team. How quickly can they grow up? That remains to be seen. But it's definitely a transitional year. I'll tell you where I'll tell you where this this team looks a lot different. Sheer size, and that's where Jenny deserves a lot of credit because you know she knows that that's that's the one thing you know, UCF ran on athleticism in the American. You can't do that in the Big Twelve. So you have to match size with size. And I'm looking at this roster. Here we go: six two, six four, six. Five six five six four six four six three. That's a lot of big, and and not just and not just middle blockers too. Outside hitters, left sides. Emily Wilson's back. Britt Carlson, who I'm really interested to see out of Washington State. Um, you know, we we already know how good Heidi Bondi is. I'm really looking forward to it. Like you mentioned, her, I'm looking her to step up. And then the one fresh. I don't know how much we're going to see of her. But I'm really interested to see what they do with Ava Armour, who's the freshman from Colorado, who's the daughter of Justin Armour. Kyle, Andrew, you guys remember him, former NFL wide receiver. Um, She's 6'5". She's got all the measurables to be a superstar. I think that, you know, and and I I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how 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 that works out. It's very young, though. Very, very young. It's going to be growing pains. 
Well, yeah, and that's the thing, especially when you're playing five set matches. How did he go through this? It's the complete opposite of last year, which had all the experience. Really, it was a team that coached itself. Uh, It was a player-coached team. You don't have that this time. But that's why I think Jenny... I'm ha- I think Jenny's the right person for this job because she brought these players in, and I think she has the patience with them and will teach with her new staff uh, coach. You know, I think they will be fine in that, but it's going to take some you know time uh, there. But I think they like that. I think there's a bit of a chip on the shoulder. I think they're under the radar. They like that. I think they want to prove some people wrong. So I think they're in the proper place from that. Whereas compared to the last couple of years, where there was a ton of pressure. Uh, which is a good mm-hmm. problem to have, but the, the negative comes with that is you're scrutinized every match. Now they're a little bit more under the radar, so we'll yeah. see how that goes. For I'm interested to see what's the, what's the first match that they that gives them confidence, right? First win that right. gives them confidence, well, and, yeah. and I think it's gonna have it's gonna have to happen in conference. Well, here's the thing: you got to be good at home. They got to be good at the venue. They've sold the most season tickets uh, ever for volleyball season. Coming off last year where they averaged the biggest attendance average in the history of the program. Thank you, McKenna Melville, for that. You're <laughs> welcome. You are. We will we'll miss you. Um, so it got to carry like that momentum. Eyed over there. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be coaching uh, high school at Easton. Uh, Easton That's right. Weekend, That's right. Taking, uh, over for, taking over for her mom, Kathy. Yeah. So, you so. know, there's going to be a bit of a hangover when you lose a great player like that. And, again, we talk a lot about her, but don't forget Amber Olsen was the quarterback. They go up-tempo on that. But they got to be good at home. They have a great environment at home. Win your home games, try to steal on the road. That's going to be the key for a lot of these UCF teams. Take advantage of your home field because uh, there's no – would be hopefully you're hoping this young group gets inspired at home, get some big wins. They got to do it early because you look at that backloaded schedule at the end. Woo! Oh, that's a rough schedule. <laughs> you, know, you got BYU, end, man. You Holy got, moly! Yeah, BYU, Texas, Iowa State, Kansas, all in the back end. Oh that's, my that's god! Cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, there ain't no East Carolinas here. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Can't beat up on USF anymore, can we, Eric? <laughs> nope. Now, now, Jeff, you know. What are you more upset about? Not being able to beat up on USF or the fact that East Carolina is gone? <laughs> oh, I'm What am I more upset about? I'm I'm more upset about not getting the chance to wipe out USF and everything, you know. E- e- ECU, uh, uh, you know. You know, it's like that scene from Mad Men, you know, like I feel sorry for you. I don't even think about you. I mean, yeah, so, you know, I can buy you a hamburger so you can skip them. Anyways, yeah. here's a. Uh, anyway, so, I, <laughs> I didn't watch. I didn't watch Batman, but I love that scene. Um, all right, so we're gonna finish up here. Uh, we got a lot of stuff coming out this week. We're gonna do our Big Twelve questions. Elo, give me a quick preview because this was your idea, and we're gonna turn it into a whole series. Not just looking at heading into this season, but in the in the ongoing future for UCF, our Big Twelve questions. Well, we'll talk about the post-Melville era on UCF Volleyball. How is that going to look like, everybody? <laughs> we'll discuss that. Uh, we're going to d- discuss where mo- – we're going we're gonna to spend UCF's money and tell them where to spend it. I know Drew is looking forward This to is it. my favorite thing, by the way. I just want to say. Uh, oh, what? Where to spend <laughs> money? I mean, yeah. Probably the Spending most other crazy. people's money. That's exactly what – yeah. Yeah, let's ask so you got, you- here about that. <laughs> that should be fun. So we got those 12 – we'll have 12 questions like that. 
previews, volleyball season preview. Bryson has that up as well as men's soccer, yep. women's. Bryson soccer got the we up. got the men's the men's soccer one up. The women's soccer one's up. Great job by Bryson as usual. That's right, Luca Dorado interview in part of the men's soccer preview, mm-hmm. uh, as well as interview with Coach Calabrese that you may have heard here. Uh, check out the uh, so that'll also be on the YouTube channel. We're working on some other interviews. Big doubleheader soccer Sunday, women's volleyball home opener. Thursday at noon, because we hope Eric Burris will be wrong per usual and we'll be fine weather and we'll have volleyball football. Listen, listen, listen. If you want to make fun of somebody, yeah. make fun of one of the other guys. Not a UCF guy like 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 Eric. He does his best here. Who, he's, who, he's the Who, by the way, Andrew and I both know personally. So there's Yeah. Well, tell him to the, stop. Okay, but tell him to stop worrying about weather 30 days out. Like, no man. That's literally his job. Get a better, get a real job. I can real do that. job. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. What? Whoa. No. Whoa. Eric, whoa. You should not be telling anyone about real jobs. Oh no. Hey, 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 hey! Don't tell. Don't spoil oh the secret, Drew. God. Don't spoil the secret sauce, Drew. Damn. It's Thousand Damn. Island dressing. Oh no, Drew. What are you doing? Oh man. Snake right. Dumbledore. I gotta get I gotta get out of here before we before we really do get in trouble one week before the one week before the Bring game. Um, it's gonna be Rona wins. Hey, I was at the Marshall Monsoon. No, we don't know. Listen, we'll figure it out. We'll have we'll have football previews and weather forecasts and all that stuff for you next Thursday. Don't forget, night shift following the game live right here on our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called. You can follow us on Threads. We are there as well, Black and Gold Banneret. And of course, blackandgoldbanneret.com, your home for all UCF news around the world of UCF sports. Uh, Kyle, you're going to be taking care of some football stuff for us as well as we finish the, as you finish this out. Drew, you got some, uh, you're going to have your weekly column going up. Eric's going to be keeping an eye on the TV ratings. It's going to be fun, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be different. We're kind of Letting our hair down a little bit more this year. Ain't that right, Kyle? I mean, I still have my backwards hat on, but yeah, no, we will be letting our hair down. I notice I asked you to do that and not Drew. <laughs> That's a, come on. Be nice to the follically challenge. Yes. Yeah, so. All right. For all of us here on not Night Shift yes, and Black and Gold Internet, I'm Jeff. For Andrew, for Eric. For Kyle, special thanks to Bryson. I'm Jeff. Thank you for so much for listening. Enjoy this weekend. We will catch you one week from now, post-game, UCF Kent State. Season's underway, folks. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you then.